Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 34th episode of the Hipfire Podcast. As always, I'm your your host, Yasser, joined by my other co-host, Seth. And uh, it has been some time since your last episode. I believe it's just over a month uh, since we last recorded. Uh, apologies for that. We've all both been a little bit busy, but, you know, we're back and uh, excited to, to talk about some Call of Duty. Obviously, this most recent uh, week, we saw week two of the... Uh, Stage four of the CDL, and we've gotten some great matches. Obviously, we're starting to sort of shape up into what the top eight teams for champs will be. In fact, I'd already argue that we have them as of right now, given the discrepancy in the standings. As of right now, Florida sits at 150 points, LAG sits at 90, London 70, Paris 70, and Seattle 50. So, with a 60 point gap between eight and ninth, I think we already have our top eight teams, Seth. Yeah, it seems like it. And I just want to say, like, the bottom four teams, very disappointed because it's... Trash. Yeah, okay, they're trash. Yeah, those are recording it, they're really bad. But it's not just that they're really bad. It's they're very bad without, a, like, a good future. Like, London's the only one where they have a guy like Afro who's exciting, young prospect, and, like, they made moves to try to get better, but, like, Paul, it just took too long to, to find the roster they want to stick with. But the other three, I mean, who? what's Seattle's future? You know, what's Octane's not going to stay there most likely if his contract's up. And what are they going to go for? Like, stick with Persini? Like, it's, it's not great. And Lag, it's the same thing. Vivid was their future and they gave him away. Now they have a bunch of vets. Like, what's their what's their end goal? You know, and Paris is the same story again. Fire was a young guy. It didn't work out well. And instead of going for another young guy, they ended up with Zaptius, who's, who's already been around, like, kind of long enough. The, the, the point I'm trying to make is basically there's nothing to look forward to next season for any of these four teams, with the exception of Afro. He's the one guy, but outside of that, there's no future. It's bleak. I don't know what these orgs are doing because they chalked it for the year and also for like next year, because they're gonna be the same situation that Paris was in at the end of last year, making up a new team without any kind of base for it. It's just bad. It's just bad GMing. It's it's bad to see, and they really do suck. I mean, they've won right now this stage. London's won two maps in three series. Lags won two maps in three series, and Seattle's won three maps in three series. Seattle, Seattle, yeah, and then Paris has won. They got a series, but it's, it's just poor, really poor out of these teams. Um, no, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing to note though, like because we got to start realistically because it's a CDL. We got to start thinking of these organizations similar to how we think of sports organizations. Like they got to start building some team culture, culture building an organization where they're not just set for this season, but they're set for future seasons, where they have prospects that they can develop and grow. But when you look at all these four teams at the bottom, there really isn't, outside maybe of London, players where you look, okay, I can cultivate him. He's like a, a cornerstone piece on a roster that you know I'm going to keep, like a like a Luka Doncic in the NBA, or like in terms of the CDL, like let's say an insider Kleenex on Toronto, or... Maybe a Neptune or Awakening on Florida, where you feel like that's a player that you can build your organization around. You really don't have that on any of these teams besides maybe Octane, but we've seen Seattle clearly aren't competent enough to build uh, a team that is capable of winning. I mean, they've been quite honestly a laughing stock uh, of the CDL the past two seasons because they, they failed to really build a team capable of winning. And it's not like they haven't had the talent. And you know you could say what they want about Nubsy, but it seemed like they have much of a coaching staff outside of him to really help support him either. And so these four CDL teams, I mean, they're spending 
loads of money to essentially do absolutely nothing in the CDL, and that's like really concerning. Uh, and a lot of the NA talent, as we've seen this season, has already been picked up. Sure, there's guys in EU, and there's one guy in APAC, as we've mentioned previous, but do we really have any confidence in these four organizations to be the teams that will sign them? I mean, hell, do these guys want, like, does a, a guy like Pred or uh, Nasty or Hixie or Sib or whoever want to play for these organizations? Because I wouldn't, based on their track record. I would say fuck no. And I think the teams have already asked, and as far as we know, John and guys on Easter have said no to some of these teams. Because, I mean, why would they? Why would they want to be a part of something like that? So, I mean, those organizations as a whole really got to take a look at themselves and think about how they're going to change in the future so they can start building something solid. Because it doesn't look like they have that at all right now. Yep, I totally agree. And if you want to look at a, at a sort of two teams, in my opinion, who've done a great job, even three. I mean, for, first one's like Florida. And Florida's built, built this reputation now where they're going to be the team that's going to go out and get the young players. Awakening, whether it's Neptune, you know, they're going to take the risk and they're going to go after young talent and try to make it work. They're not afraid to do that. And now that's their culture. Now that's Florida's thing. It's going to be an underdog team that's going to go out and get players that are young and have promise. And it worked out last season with Awakening. And Neptune's getting better and better every stage this year. So like that's kind of what they're they're going for. Is they're that kind of, you know, we're not going to rely on these storied stars to carry us and you know these veterans. We're going to go after the young bloods who want to prove themselves and want to make a name for themselves in the CDL, right? And you got Toronto. Toronto says, all right, we're going to do an all-EU team. Marky B at the helm. We're not going to do an all-EU team like we've seen in the past with guys who have been around for too long that they should have been, to be honest. Instead, he's like, all right, we're going to go for young talent. We're going to go for guys like Insight who haven't had a shot yet and see what they can do. It's, it's like, it's, it is gutsy, but it, it, when it works out, which it obviously... It, it, very often does with these young players. When it does work out, it's great because you now have a foundation to work on. You know, and the last one I wanted to mention was New York because New York was dealt a pretty poor hand at the beginning of the year with, you know, Hyder's visa, Zuma's injury, and they could have easily had gone to the to the retired or the the veteran cod pool and cherry picked a couple of guys that you know Clay's comfortable with that they're comfortable with, but no, there's no there's no future there. There's no there's no like exciting prospect there. It's boring. And you have a ceiling already. And you know what the ceiling is. Instead of going after your old guys, they went after the young talent and said, you know what, we like the fact that there's no ceiling here. We don't know what's going to happen. And we like the idea that these guys are hungry and they want to prove themselves. So they went after, like, Diamond Con, who is not in the CDL anymore, right? But when he was there, he competed hard and they, they formed a team around him. And he had Clay as a leader. Like, it worked. That's their culture. Like, th- th- that's what we're trying to say is that these other four bottom teams don't have anything to build towards. They don't have a culture to build towards. And there's just an expectation they're going to be sucky for next year as well. It's just kind of it's just kind of bad. Yeah, no, I mean we talk about. Um, I think I want to think that um, I want to remember that we had a theme on the show where we talked about you know the parity of the league and how so many different teams can win. But can we honestly say that there's a lot of you know organizations in the CDL right now that we're like that's a really good team? I'd argue no. I'd argue outside of maybe Phase. New York, Toronto, maybe Optic. If you want to throw them in there, Optic's fringe team, yeah. Yeah, like, is that it? Is that is that all the really quote unquote good teams? Because yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it might as well be because we don't see teams playing on a consistent basis, um, which is kind of disappointing, considering the level of 
talent that should be in the league today. Um, but yeah, that's just something obviously wanted to get out of the way. Uh, whether these organizations will change, who knows? If there isn't any expansion, they better hope they do because you know I can't imagine their owners are happy with the the direction that they're going in. But speaking of optic, obviously uh, they've had a two on one start. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, to the stage four group, obviously a bit of a brutal loss against Atlanta. Um, but you know it is Atlanta. But the one thing I think about this team that I've noticed, and I really noticed in their last match against um, Paris, uh, was people stepping up. And I think Formal's a big one. Obviously, Formal's been a bit inconsistent on this roster. He's had his moments where he's been the best player, moments where he's he's sort of been lackluster and, and arguably the worst. Um, but in that match against Moscow, regardless of the stats, um, hearing their communication... It, I had never heard Formal communicate like that, ever. And I've been watching Optic for quite some time, and Formal for quite some time. And it's probably the best I've ever heard his communication. I mean, his communication with regards to where the other team was spawning, um, when they were pushing, telling his team to slow down for one another, wait for each other, not to ego chow. I mean, he was saying all the right things in an easy-to-understand manner. And... They were down, I want to say, like 80 to 90 points in that Moscow Hardpoint of Paris. And then they chained like four or five straight hills together. So I really uh, implore you to watch that if you haven't already, um, for anyone that hasn't. But his communication was just top-notch. And it really showed that he's able to step up in that manner, regardless of the stats. If he can do that on a consistent basis, I think it'll help Optic you know, in, an incredible amount, because I feel like that's an area where they've struggled in this season, is being on that rotation, playing together at times. Um, and so having maybe that consistent vocal leader will be what helps them strive towards, uh, you know, a potential championship later down the road. Yeah, it's definitely a good point that, you know, Optic was lacking that leadership. And you can kind of tell when they weren't pushing together and things are falling apart. And if mm-hmm. Formal steps up, like you mentioned, it's great for Optic. But for me, for Optic, it's kind of the same way I view like the Nets in the NBA, where basically, I don't care how they do against bad teams. I don't care if they drop insane numbers and monster performances. Because in, in my eyes, they like that matchup doesn't matter. I want to see them take one of the top three teams down. Either, you know, FaZe, Ultra, or... Um, York. York, thank you. <laughs> I want to see them beat one of those teams. If they could beat one of those teams, which they obviously can Right, we, they, they're not bad players. They're not playing the game that badly. They're not like they are playing a lot better together, like, as Yas just mentioned. Right, if they could do that against one of the top three teams, then I'll start believing in them. Until then, though, like for me, there's, there's still a fourth, you know, fourth best team on the outside looking in. We still have our top three, but if they could take down one of the top three, then they're right there, and like they can be any of them. It's just the they always just feel a little bit behind in those matchups, and uh, I mean. For me, that still calls for a roster change. I'm, I mean, I've always I said that from the from the start of the season when they weren't looking so hot at some parts. I said that I wanted to make a roster change. People say who I don't know. I don't know who it is. It's not easy, right? But if you're not beating the top three teams in the game and you're struggling, that was my perspective. But if they could do it, then then it's fine. You know, if they could just prove to me like once that they can beat one of these top three teams, then it's fine. But if you're not competing for for top, I guess phase is untouchable. Like sometimes. So if you're not competing for at least top two, I don't think you're. It's worth keeping the roster around. That's just my opinion, though. 
No, uh, I mean, I personally think that, I mean, the time to make a roster change was a while ago. I don't think it makes any sense for them, especially them at this point, to make a roster change because I don't think there's any change that would make their team better at this point in stage, um, personally. Um, That's fair. I think it's just so light because it's so late in the season. Realistically, what are you going to do that's going to get you over that hump? I think they've committed to this for and it's really ride or die. And whether it's the right move or not, obviously we'll you know we'll soon see. But I I think it I think it's such a late time. I mean that's why I was never sure about you know the classic to Seattle because realistically, what does that move do? It doesn't make them any better. It's not going to help them get closer to contending. Like it was just a a last second like hey we played with this guy before he played on Paris like let's pick him up. And, you know, we saw how that's going so far, so, you know. Especially with, Better. like, it's the, the talent pool of AMs is not done. We're not, we haven't seen all of the AMs. All their good AMs still out there. Why not take a shot on them? Who cares? Your season's already Maybe. over anyways. What are you doing? What are you holding off for Classic for? For, for next the only, year? No, you're not. So why does it matter? I think the only, like, to play devil's advocate here for a second, the only way I could, like, see an argument in their favor is maybe that, you know, from my understanding, they've contacted players and players have told them no. Like, you go off the the go, even like lower tier AMs, then anybody, anybody's better than people that already you know what. Like, I'm sure there are AMs know. out there that need a contract and that are playing for contracts. Like, I need, think you can probably can't get yeah. John or Sib, right? But you could probably get some guys like who aren't as well known who want to prove themselves and you probably would do better than Classic. Probably. I Classic. think at this point, though, no, 100%. I think it's like for them. As an organization, they have to know that it's over. Like, it's Octane has to know. There's no like. I think you said they have to win the next two events. That's not happening. Like, it just really, it just isn't. They don't have the capability. It's not like a Toronto situation where you know, you know, they're on the cusp and they they got a new roster and maybe they'll make it work. That's not the case at all. It's not possible with the roster they've been doing. Or I shouldn't say it's not possible, but it's extremely unlikely. And so the the writing's kind of on the wall for this roster. It, it's kind of done for the season. And so, I don't know. I don't know what that organization is going to do moving forward or what that players would do, but Seattle's got a lot of question marks. But one team on the flip side that's been, you know, killing it once more is FaZe. Obviously, they had a really dominant performance against LAT. And I've seen a couple people on Reddit and Twitter brought up, like, well, this is the same FaZe team we saw last year. And to that, I'd say not at all. I think the phase team we saw last year was extremely different to the one we've seen this year in the way that they play. Obviously, fundamentals has been talked about throughout phase all year. And I think in this matchup against LIT, you really saw it on, on like on display. I'm beating that APOC hardpoint first map. Uh, there's an instance, if you go back on like the first rotation, where phase all die, or three of them go down. RC's the last one left in the back temple for P2. And Alec does such a great job of just playing his life, hiding in the corner, waiting for his team to come up and help. And then he pops a two-piece back temple, gets phase spawns, and then they get like pretty much the majority time of P2. It's just small plays like that. Um, that they didn't do last where they were just over-aggressive and not waiting for each other. And when you watch them on the map, they're always sliding in together. Two, three, four people sliding in. And it's like, the other team's like, what can you do? Because not only do they have gun skill, but they're all playing coordinate together. And there's opportunities for them to flank. I mean, you got guys like Simp, you know, on that rate control, just weaving his way through the team, getting a couple of three-piece in the back, and then, and then pushing once again. They're just such a well-oiled machine that... Um, I mean, we've talked about it all year, 
And I think they're once again starting to hit that form, and that I think that's what scares teams because they were not a good APOC team to begin with. But based on how they've looked lately, uh, I wouldn't want to play them on the map for sure. Yeah, people point to stage two as a, a way to say like, "Wait, look, Phase did lose. It is possible to lose." But if you review the review the final, all right, if that's a five game series like it usually is, they probably don't lose it. But because they lost both controls, because Toronto is the best control team in the game. And they lost two S and Ds. It's the way the format works. It, it did kind of lend itself to a control-heavy team, which is part of the reason why they lost. And also, you had a really, really bad performance out of our cities, who since that, like those playoffs, he's been a beast. He was a beast all of stage three, and he's continued to be a beast here in stage four. So I think, he, uh, what's up? Sorry, sorry I think he actually. I saw a, a graphic. It said he is the number one KD since Major 3. I think it's a 1.16. Like, he leads everyone. I'm pretty sure he leads every player in this CDL in that stat. So, yeah, he really has stepped up. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Yeah, because he had a really bad, really, really bad grade finals. And he definitely just took a step back. He's like, you know what? Like, I'm IGLing, doing whatever I can, but I got to also perform and step up, and he has. Also, Cell has got a lot more comfortable doing flex on some maps, and he seems to be, you know, a lot better place. It's it's a scary team for sure. It's definitely the best like, I mean roster right now, obviously. But in terms of are they going to win the rest of the year? Everyone keeps saying they will, and I there are some people that are doubting. And the only reason why I cast any doubt is just because of how hard it is to remain on the top of the CDL. Like even Toronto's reign was great for a stage, and then in the playoffs they weren't able to, to pull through because their setups got red. Right, every team is counterable at the end of the day, and if Phase continue to adapt and stay ahead then they can you know continue to do that but you don't want to peak too early and phase it's hard to say they're peaking right now because who knows what their ceiling is they could get even better um but everything's counterable this is there's tons of vod out there you can watch their setups and search you can see how they break hills you can go back and watch it and try to counter them it's not like it's it's a set thing that they're done and they're going to win the whole year i don't think that's necessarily true i think you got teams like new york for example who are not playing that well fundamentally, and we can talk about that in their control and in their S and D, and even their hard points where they're outslaying teams by a wide margin and barely winning the maps. Like they're not ready yet, and they're still three zero. So you know, if they if they can hit their stride by champs, then then there you go. That's a team that could beat Phase for sure. So it's not you know set and done, and they're not. It's not Phase going to win for sure. Um, it's just. When they do on the orange form and they're playing against a team that is not set up fundamentally, they will pound them into the ground and make it look really, really bad. They take advantage of mistakes and they capitalize on them because you can't make mistakes against a team that's both going to outslay you and play better than you fundamentally. There's nothing you can do. The way to beat a team like that is to have really tight setups and have really, really good strategies like Toronto did on a control SD and beat them that way. So if you know Toronto or, all, or New York can figure that out, then I think they could take down Phase. And it's not you know the year's not over. We don't already have our champion. At least that's my opinion. I agree. I agree with that 100. Um, percent But speaking of New York, obviously they're three and zero in their group. They've looked a little bit shaky these last couple of matches. Obviously, there's a lot of excuses with Asim playing in Toronto. They haven't had as much practice. Hydra looks sick as hell. Like, holy shit, that guy looked like he's about ready to die after every single map. Which is quite incredible that he's still playing at the level he is, despite feeling that way. Because I don't think we know of many players that are sick and play that way. Usually we hear about it when they play poorly, and we hear after they were sick. And, you know, it's understandable. Um, you're not going to be at the same level. But for him, he looks like he's 
almost just as good, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but obviously, I mean, talk about fundamentals. I mean, we saw yesterday that they were outslaying teams or outslaying Dallas by like 50 across both hard points. And even still, they were just barely winning, especially in the garrison, because anyone who watched that, they really had no business winning that garrison hard point. That was more of, of Dallas letting them come back in the game and winning late in that match. Um, New York was often slow in rotation. They got broken a lot. Um, it was only once they started prioritizing those you know, power positions on the map, like top green, um, and Hydra making a huge play at the end of the map in bricks to, to flank around and get spawns. Did they actually end up winning? Um, but yeah, what have you made of Florida so far? Or sorry, not Florida, New York uh, thus far at the stage. Well, so I was very critical of New York last stage, even though they got second place, because I like the team. I want to see them do well. So one of the things I was critical about was Clay in particular, not holding headies and being a little too chatly. He does chat literally everything. Um, and now Max doing it a lot more as well. He's still holding headies more than Clay is. He's still, I guess, the more conservative AR, if you want to call it that. Um, but my impression of them is is they seem to really prioritize like making a play and like from an individual standpoint not a team standpoint right so like toronto when they make a play it's basically it's usually two people doing something together whether it's two people breaking kitchen on rate control or two guys you know flaking around this thing it, it kind of does that as a pair um and then when we see we see new york a lot of times you see asim picking up an A off the ground and going to chow something. Or you see Clay giving up a headie to go chow something, right? Or Hydra, he has like the lowest hill time because he goes around and roams and does his own thing on the hill, on the map, right? When you play that style of, you make a, this sort of like make a play style, right? It's gonna work against bottom tier teams who are, you can make a play against. But if you're playing against a team that has a tight setup or a team that has superior firepower or as good a firepower like FaZe, it's not always gonna work and you're gonna run into problems doing that. I'd much rather see them play more as a team, and I think that kind of comes down to the way the Hydra team are playing right now, uh, especially in in control and hardpoint, where it doesn't feel like they're on the same page, and it seems like it's almost on purpose. It seems like they're almost letting Hydra do what he wants on purpose. And maybe it's a comps thing; they're still not comfortable with with the callouts and everything, and and that I don't know what it is exactly, but it almost seems intentional that they're playing that sort of style. And again, that's where you know, right? You know, who knows? But if it can, if it works against the top teams, then it works. But I don't think it will. I'd much rather see them slow things down, stop challenging things so much, because you should not have to outslay a team like the garrison that Yasmin mentioned. By the way, the entire time they're outslaying Dallas, or not the entire, a large part of the map they're outslaying Dallas, and they're still losing for most of the map. So you got to think about like what kind of kills are you getting on the map? What positions are ARs are in? What position are our subs in? I mean, right now for, for that team this season so far, or this stage so far, sorry, they have the ARs leading in hardpoint time and the subs running around and doing their own thing, which, again, they're a very good hardpoint team, right? It, it's, it's working for them. It's just, I don't know if that style is going to be consistent. Like, let's say if you're on Garrison and you're playing against FaZe, where you have a BZ flying on rotations and getting spawns and playing, like, really tight angles... If you're an AR in that situation against the bees, you go in for rotation. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard to gunfights to win. So personally, I'd rather the team play more as a team and and tighten up those fundamentals. And obviously, like they know their controls shaky. Like they, they know these what the issues are. They're not running around like the bottom four teams and headless chickens. Right? They know what their mistakes are. And if they tighten them up, then I mean they're a real good candidate to win 
uh, champs this season. I don't know if they're ready for playoffs. It, it's not that far away for stage four, but yeah, comes like stage five and champs. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how New York does. I mean, yeah. I mean, speaking of land, obviously we're going to be going back within ten days now to to land, and uh, I wonder how that will change teams. I mean, I don't think it'll be a big difference. Um, in terms of the outcomes that we see, I think maybe in terms of confidence, it could definitely could be uh, a scenario for these rosters. Obviously, they don't have. I, I think it'll be very telling, especially um, for these rookies. Uh, I don't expect them like guys like Hydra and Mac who haven't played on land in the CDL. That is, I don't think they'll have any issue. If anything, it'll be better for them. Um, I don't think they'll get nervous personally, especially with there not being fans there and having a guy like Clay in your ear all the time. I know Clay's the kind of guy that can definitely get you hyped up and and keep you in the moment, and I think that's what they'll need. Um, guys like Optic, obviously, they talk about land all the time. So genuinely, uh, if anything, they have added pressure because if they do not perform well on land, the amount of hate that they're going to get from not only their their so-called fans but their haters uh, will definitely be ginormous because i can just imagine because all they've been talking about all season was just get me to land get me to land and if they don't do it on land which i mean will they i'm not too sure they're still a bit shaky even that paris series um as good as formal's comps were they still were definitely a bit shaky at times um so definitely going to be interesting to see how how they approach land because i know they've been probably the most um hyped and excited to get back there of any roster, or at least they've talked about it more than any other team. Um, but I'm curious, what do what do you make of Lan? Are you excited for it? Uh, what do you think? Because we haven't really seen Lan since uh, what was the last time? What was it? Dallas versus Minnesota in the Grand Finals. I saw a clip about that, which was kind of crazy to think about. It was over a year ago. Yeah, it's been too long since we've we've had Lan, and I, I've I've shared some remarks about how I feel about Lan versus online in the past. And I want to be very clear. I do want land. I don't not want land. I'm pretty sure every single fan player in the world wants land. The thing I, I, I was saying before is we've seen in recent Call of Duty history that results online tend to translate to results uh, in, on land. And that's not individual player, by the way. Some players do play better online, I'm sure, and better on land. I'm not saying it on an individual level. On a team level, which includes teamwork, fundamentals, how you play setups, whatever that is, those tend to translate no matter what you're playing on. Uh, and now, like, to give some examples or just to give some context to that statement, I mean, we IW and United called the online team. They come in, they win their first event. All right, and then later on, you've got teams like TK in World War II online in the beginning of the year. They're frying. Everyone's like, they're going to be terrible on land. They come in, win the first few events on land. It's not, it's not a question of online versus land for, for the, at the top level. At the top level, if you're going to be playing well online, you're going to be playing well on land because you just know how to play the game and you have good reads for the game and you're playing well as a team. That's not going to change, right? What you might see changes are, are individual players playing either even better or worse online or online, but that small change for one player or team is not going to have the impact of your, te- your a top team being terrible all of a sudden or a terrible being terrible team being very good all of a sudden. I don't want to harp on him too, for too much because I feel bad. But let's take Octane for example, right? He's been a very much a component of someone who's really disliked online and has been very vocal about his dislike for online and wants to get back on land. Even if he starts frying like crazy on land and has insane numbers, it's not going to make Seattle a top team all of a sudden. It's just not. 
That's not how this works. It'll become a top team with top comms and great communication and great teamwork because one player starts frying more than he usually does. It's just not realistic, right? The expectation shouldn't be, oh, this player is going to be so much better. Now like, the team will do better. Instead, you look at Optic and the reason why people and fans, including myself, to be honest, are optimistic a little bit for Optic on, on, on LAN is because this is, it's an environment where they're all comfortable in. And even more than that, you, it's a different feeling for those players where it's we've done this before. We know what like we, this is more expected. We're, like we're comfortable in this environment because maybe they are. Maybe that's where they, where they feel comfortable winning is is next to each other and they'll have more teamwork online. It's that's definitely a consideration to have. And you know, and online the problem also is, let's say you get gun in a gunfight that you should have won and you didn't win it because you're online, right? There, if you don't have the mental fortitude to brush that off and go on. That might sit in the back of your head and make you play differently and throw you off the rest of the series, right? It, it, that can happen. And now you have to worry about that. So, you know, there's a bunch of things you got to consider, but I, I think that my, my take's always been at a team level, if you're good online, you're going to be good on land. And that yeah. is more important than whether or not a single player will have a difference. No, I agree. 100% agree. Um, but yeah. Well, I'm excited to see Land back, see how that uh, will shake things out. Obviously, we still have to get to what the Group B outcomes will be. Um, for Group A, it seems pretty clear-cut at this point. It's going to be Atlanta and Optic number one and two, and then maybe between Minnesota and LAT. It looks like Minnesota right now two and one. They might have it. In Group B, New York and Florida are top two. And then you got this little thing between Toronto and Dallas, where Dallas are two and two. They have one match left which I believe is against Florida, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, Toronto's 2-1. and one. They got their matches against LAG and New York left, so could have a bit of drama uh, for the last day between them. But I know, obviously, I mean, we've talked about it at the beginning of the podcast where we, we sort of know who the top teams are, and more or less, and now it's just a matter of you know building a stronger map pool and, and seeing which team plays better on that day and is able to counter one another. Um, but before we end the podcast, why don't we talk a little bit about the Elite Series and Challengers, considering that, you know, that's sort of what we began this season off with, was talking about Challengers. Obviously, um, we have the Elite Series uh, stage for playoffs coming up um, this week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, we the reason for the lack of coverage as of late has really just been the lack of availability to these streams. I mean, um, we had no one, at least from a Cogcaster perspective, stream um, the EU Elite playoffs where Orcless ended up winning. Um, by the way, Nasty, uh, which you may hear about sooner or later from me, is uh, has been the best player in EU this season, in my opinion. And uh, in NA, I believe it was Mohawk and Scrappy that ended up winning the cup, which is kind of crazy. But again, we didn't really get much of a stream, um, at least from a Cogcaster's perspective, to get stats. So that's the reason for the lack of tweets on that end. Um, but yeah, so Seth, what have you made of the Elite Series thus or as of late? And uh, what are your, just your general thoughts? I mean, to be, I've been a little turned off of the AMC lately, uh, mm-hmm. mainly because... We, I mean, we, it's been like eight rookies already picked up. It kind of seems like it's done, and this, the rest of the rookies I mean, you have to wait for next year, maybe. I mean, to be fair, I mean, also like I will not. I've been burnt out, like, and I can't. I can, you know, only sympathize with the players. I mean, last weekend was the 16th Challenger Cup. 16 weekends, 
of Challenger Cups. That doesn't even include Elite Series and what uh, like Pro Points or whatever they've been playing for. That's a lot of Call of Duty to watch. And yeah, as we mentioned, with all the, the talent that's already been picked up, it's just it's hard to to stay interested and keen at this point. I imagine once Challengers Champs comes around, uh, there'll be more, a bit more interest. But as of right now, like I won't lie, it's, it's a bit hard um, for me to keep up with at the same time as a CDL. It is, and another part to consider with that too is like these these players are probably not going to get picked up this season, so it mm. is a bit of like a moot point because we're going to have to see how they play next year again. I mean, I, like there's going to be some rookies going to get picked up, um, especially if this expansion comes along, right? So who who do you think who do you like? Let's let's end it off there. Who did like yeah. top three players? So I'd say in, in NA, I think. It's time we saw Sid play on the team. I don't care about his attitude anymore. I don't care about yada, 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 this, that, and that. I want to see him play. I don't want to see him being a sub anymore. He's too good. I want to see him on the CDL. So Sid is the first guy. Um, second guy, I've been calling for it for like the longest time. And I still don't know if he's ready, to be honest. I'm a little biased because I like him a lot. But I want to see Pendergram in the league. Um, not because oh, okay. he's like a, a great slayer, necessarily. But I think he brings a lot next to his gun skill. He brings a lot of S&D prowess. He's very good at S&D. And also, he's a really good teammate. And I think that goes a long way, especially for some of these teams that are going to get formed. Like, if you're an expansion team and you want to have a good team, you get to have good comms and, and good communication. I think Pentagram brings that as well. And then the third guy... I'm going to pick somebody who's not already been a pro. Like I'm not going to say, like, Methods or something like that. Uh, or, like, Saints. I think next up for me is going to be Yeez. So Yeez is another guy who like might not be ready yet, but his S&D and just raw gun skill is very, very impressive. And I do really want to see him on a on in the CDL. I would actually, to be honest, between him and Prolu, one of those two, uh, I think that they're both just very good search players who have made the switch over to Variant this season and have looked like they're getting better progressively. And if, with the right structure, they can look very good. Um, you gotta remember, a lot of these AM players, you can put them around like top CDL leaders like Clayster or whoever, and they can make them out of, even better than they already look in the AM scene. So I always think it's, it's better to do that. It's better to pick up a guy like Ease or Prolute, you know, one of the S&D stars, and run with them. Or like Diamond Con, like that's kind of his thing. He was really good at S&D, good at other things as well, but he paired him with Clay and looked even better than he looked before. So I hope teams start doing that and go after the young talent because I'd rather see that than returning pros personally. Yeah, I have a, a very different take from you on uh, next up. Um, but, you know, those, those are pretty solid three. My my three, um, well, first off, Nasty. I've talked about him. Best player in EU right now. Uh, in, in, all, in all season. I, I get it. Obviously, top three, you probably have him um, around that group. But uh, I was going to say, I was uh, doing top three NA. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, top three EU, I have, like, Hixie, Nasty, and, uh, uh like, Vids. I, 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 okay, I just been an overall, but, like, okay, I'll, I'll do NA, and then I'll do my overall. I think NA, um, I have Gravity uh, first. I think he's been extremely underrated. Uh, I really like him. John, obviously, is a bit of a cop-out, but I have John as well. And um, I don't want to see Sib. And the reason why is that I think his attitude and the way he's approached games personally, I know you can say, and the thing is, there's probably going to be organization that picks him up regardless of his attitude. 
I don't think it's conducive to a winning culture or a team uh, team culture. I think it's extremely toxic. It's the kind of attitude that in this day and age isn't enough to win. It isn't like karma back in the day or even you can argue, argue gunless at points at times where the, the talent exceeds um, or the, the talent's just able to win and overcome those those uh, shortcomings. I don't think it's the case anymore. I think his his attitude and the way he approaches the game is really going to significantly hinder um, any team that it picks him up unless he's able to change. And thus far, under a guy like Coach Phoenix, who I expected to be able to mold him, has done his best. But even still, we're seeing Sib do things that are a little, um, you know, frustrating to see as a guy that wants to see him succeed. So I'm, I'm not going to say Sib. I don't know who my third player is, but I wouldn't have Sib. I, you know, I could throw Pentagram because I like him in there, um, but I don't know if he's ready either. Um, and you, again, Nasty. I go with Nasty Hixie as well. Bid, uh, I'm still on the fence if he's my third guy, but I, I think it's you know it's fair to say him as well. Maybe Gizmo uh, is turned into that conversation. And then in APAC, obviously just Pred. Just get Pred over, please. Give him an opportunity. I think this guy will fry. But uh, yeah, with that, I think, is there anything I'm left to say, Seth? Or, uh... Uh, yeah, I'm just going to throw in some just names to, to, to sit on. Just keep it way back at the back of your head. Um, Kids JC, Portuguese player, extremely talented, and Eric Boom. Those are the two names who are coming over from like the Iberian Call of Duty scene, I guess you could call it, um, who are very disgusting. And, and also, uh, what's his name, Real as well? Uh, or I don't know if it's Real, real yeah. or Real. Um, yeah, I think it's Real, yeah. Real, yeah. So those those three Iberian players, like, you know, if, again, it's it's conducive for them whether or not there's, a, there's an expansion or not if we'll see them or not. But those three names, just keep those in mind. So yeah, Kids JC, Eric Boom, and, and Real. Very, very disgusting players who I hope get a chance to play. Um, but yeah, that'll, that'll wrap it up for this podcast. Um, we're going to try some shorter form stuff out in the near future and see how that goes because we want to put out content, but we just haven't had the time to do these kind of longer podcasts. So we're going to try to do some shorter form stuff and, and see how it goes. So let us know if... Well, I guess just keep, uh, keep out, look out for it because it's coming. Sure. Thank you all for listening and watching. Let us know what you want to see next, and uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Yep, see you. See you.